to you. If you haven't met, my name is Paul. I'm the doctor here. Um, I've got a very croaky voice, and I apologise for that. Uh, but God than a coldy flu person, so I trust that he will speak to us clearly tonight through grab a Bible and uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. It's on page 828 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, if you like taking sermon notes, you have a space in the middle to take sermon notes. Let's just try and fix this a bit. Is that better? Yep. Uh, let me pray, and then I'll read the scriptures together. Uh, Father, how good it is just to meet together on a Saturday afternoon to sing your praises, to hear of great encouragement, to, uh, to pray to you and then to hear the scriptures. Uh, thank you for this little oasis in a weekend to focus on how good you are, and how you want us to respond to your grace shown to us in Christ. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for your spirit. And we pray that both of them would do a powerful work in each of our lives here tonight. So take us wherever we're at and would you move us on in our relationship with Jesus. And I ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Ephesians 4, 17 to 5 verse 2. I'll read it. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we are all members of of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. One of the things I used to love as a kid, and I still love, in the newspapers are the puzzles called Spot the Difference. See that? You get two almost identical pictures. One for you. 
Okay, you can spot the differences there. Yep, missing flower down the bottom. What's that? Is uh, yep, they're down on the left, up on the right. One knee has a patch. What's that? I can't see that. Oh yeah, 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 yep, yep, a leaf missing. Oh, the stripes on the bee, well spotted. Okay, next slide we'll show you all the Yep, well done. Okay, spot the difference. You know, sometimes with those puzzles, uh, they're really easy to spot the difference, aren't they? And sometimes you can stare at those puzzles for minutes and even hours, and you just can't spot it. And you know, sometimes I reckon that's what it's like with the Christians and the church. Sometimes you walk into a church building, and immediately you spot the difference. Uh, they speak kind words to each other. They genuinely care for each other, and they love each other, and there's something different about the way that they live their life. And other times, I have to say, it's really sad that you walk into a church and they are no different from the world outside. Sometimes, churches can be the most divisive, the most spiteful, the most slanderous and the most hurtful places to be. And Paul in the letter to the Ephesians is writing to a group of Christians and he says, Remember that, that God has brought you from death to life. God's poured out his grace into you through his Lord Jesus Christ. God has brought you near to the throne. He's put you together and he's united to you. And he says to these Christians in Ephesus and to the Christians in Kirbali, you're supposed to spot the difference. People are supposed to walk through this door and spot the difference that Jesus makes to your life and to our lives as a church. How are we going to do that? Three things for you tonight. First one is this. Uh, be warned. Don't live like the rest of the world. Don't live like the rest of the world. Paul is talking to Gentile Christians and in one sense they are still Gentiles. They haven't become Jewish. But they're still living in a Gentile world. And it's like you and I. We're, we're Christians but we haven't been removed out of the world. We still live day by day in that world. So how are we supposed to live differently? He says, don't slip back into your old way of life. Don't slip back into your... Remember what, what the world is like. In their thinking, in their minds, they are godless. Uh, look at verses 17 and 18 with me. So I tell you this, insistent in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles, as the nations do, in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them uh, due to their hardening of their hearts. Verse 17, their, their thinking is futile or it's empty or it's hollow or it's shallow. Now, that may shock some of you, but many people in the world, they sound impressive, they're very articulate, they have good arguments, degrees, they've got PhDs, but actually, if they haven't got God in their worldview, if there's no concept of a creator, and a redeemer, and a world that's going to end, then their thinking is futile. 
It is shallow. It is hollow. Why is that? It tells you in verse 18 because they're darkened in their understanding. The the lights of their brains haven't gone on. Uh, They have no relationship with God in verse 18. Why do these people not know God? Look at those three words. Ignorance. Hard and heart. Because the ignorance is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. When you hear the word ignorance, please don't think, oh, no. It's like when I say to you, um, I'm having a party next uh, Saturday night at my place. You're welcome to come. Now, you do know, because I've told you. you. If you choose to ignore it and not turn up, you can't say that you were ignorant. You knew it, but you chose not to. That's what the word ignorance means. These people know that God exists world as a creator they know God exists but they choose to ignore him they choose to live in his world and pretend he doesn't exist they're ignorant they say I don't want you God why is that? again verse 18 their hearts are hard it's kind of like they hear the word of God it just bounces off them they don't want to hear they refuse to hear need to hear they say that is the world and your thinking changes the way that you live so it's no surprise in verse 19 that they've lost all sensitivity Uh, they've lost all self-control and they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual love for more what he's saying there is that the world is kind of like a, a living, breathing, walking, talking episode of Big Brother you know, people wander around half naked and if you could, you'd bleep out every third word. Let's talk about sex all the time. And it's not just on the TV, but actually it's down the pub right now. Your work colleagues every day. This is coming on and off, isn't it? It's your work colleagues every day. It's in your houses, in your families. These people who are just indulging more and more and more. That's what our world is like. They indulge in, look at that, in every kind of impurity. You know, so when swearing and, and drinking is no longer offensive, they move on to sex. Uh, when sex is no longer offensive, they move on to same sex or, or public sex. And when that's no longer offensive, they move on to something else. It gets worse and worse and worse. It's a downward spiral for life without Christ, life without Jesus. And the thing about it is that they always want more. That continual lust for more. That's what life is like without Christ, isn't it? I spent 20 years living without Christ and I thought that my life would satisfy me and it didn't. And the more things I tried, the more I wanted to try just to satisfy me. It never satisfied and it was purely selfish. Me at the centre of my life and not God at the centre of my life. Friends, don't be duped by the world. Why is the world so attractive to us? Why do we find it so addictive? It is godless. Godless in their thinking, godless in their behaviour, and it will never satisfy. Don't go back there, he says. But when I, t- when I give you a warning, it, it can be a bit like a, a ball and chain. And you'll sit here thinking, okay, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, so I've got to be different. 
I've got to live differently. And you strive and you strive and you strive and it kind of wears you down. The passage is just so liberating. It is so liberating because what Paul says here is, it's not you've got to be different. He says, you are different. If you're in Christ, you are different. So just be who you are. So secondly, tonight, be what you are. Live out your new status in Christ. Look at verse 20. Uh, you, however, didn't come to, to, to learn Christ that way. It's back to the language of school. You, you learned about Christ. You, you learned about his life and his death and his resurrection and his teaching. And you've had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. And, and surely, verse 21, you, you heard Christ, literally. It's that kind of idea that, that when the gospel was preached to you, you almost heard the very voice of Jesus speaking to you. Uh, the words of Jesus saying to you, I'm offering you life. I'm offering you forgiveness. I'm offering you hope. And you've learned Christ and you've heard Christ and you were taught in Christ in verse 21. Uh, you were taught about how to live for Jesus. Uh, and verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. He's saying you are different if you're in Christ. So just be different. The illustration is kind of the, the illustration from the clothes or the fashion world. So you, know, so you can spot a police by, by the uniform that they wear. But if the policeman is wearing just jeans and a t-shirt, you've no idea he's a policeman. A soldier, he's entitled to wear the uniform. In fact, he should wear the uniform if he's going out to fight. And it's kind of saying, you know, when you come to Christ, you've been given new clothes. So make sure you wear them. It's like if I were to walk down Oxford Street uh, tonight and walk into, I don't know, Marks or Morrissey or Oxford Shop, and I'm in a tracky dacks and, and a t- I don't own tracky dacks, uh, ball shorts and, and, and a t-shirt. And uh, the guy behind the counter said, here you are, here's a new suit, new shirt and a new tie and a new pair of shoes. And I, I put them on and, and I, I look hot and, I, and, and I, I walk out of the shop. Now, I don't walk out with you know, my, my ball shorts and my t-shirts underneath. I just leave them behind in the changing room because I've got new clothes to wear now. And Paul is saying to the Ephesian Christians and to you, if you've come to Christ, you've been given new clothes. So, so verse 23, put off your old way of life. Keep putting off the things that you used to do, the things that you used to think about, the things that attracted you to the world. Get rid of them. Verse 4, put on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on the clothes that make you like God, make you think rightly, make you act in a holy way. Put them on. Now, how do you do that? It's hard, isn't it? Because, like, if I went home, I opened my wardrobe, my wardrobe's full of old clothes again, you know? How do I keep on putting off the old and put on the new? I love verse 23. In the middle of put off, in the middle of put on, what do you find in verse 23? You, in the attitude of your minds. You have a transformed mind. Literally, you're made new in the spirit of your mind. He's kind of saying, feed your mind with godly things. 
and then you'll put off the old and then you'll put on the new. What you feed your mind with will determine whether you live in the, gut, live in the world or whether you live the new way to honour and serve Jesus and you're, diff- you're different. The question is, my friends, what do we fill our minds with? What do we choose to allow to penetrate this brain matter? If we do feed our minds with things of the world and things of the gutter, then of course we won't be any different to the world. And we'll still keep feeding it, and we'll still keep putting on the rubbish. How many hours do we spend sort of feeding our mind with magazines and internet and TV and newspaper? And then we wonder, and then we wonder why our lives actually reflect Big Brother more than the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me just say personally, when I am feeding my mind more with the Word of God, when I just time in the day just to soak up in the Scriptures and to allow the Word to penetrate, it's so much easier to live for Christ. What you think about, what you feed your mind with, will determine how you live. I want to just urge you and encourage you, just take time just to think about godly things. Talk to Christian brothers and sisters. Come to church. Feed your mind with good and right things. And then you'll put off the old. And then you'll keep putting on the new. Let's get practical. He says, be warned. uh, Be what you are. And then he says, be different. He says, be different in your speech. So verse 25. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour. He says, get rid of all the lies, get rid of those sort of half-truths that come out of our mouths, get rid of the the false flattery that we like like to talk about, get rid of it, and just speak what is true. Sometimes that will be hard, sometimes that will be... but much better to speak truth than to speak lies. He says, solve your conflict, resolve your conflict. Verse 26, in your anger, don't sin. Uh, There's such a thing as a righteous anger, but make sure you don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Resolve your conflict. If you're feeding your mind, you will stop and you'll say, yes, you've hurt me. You've really hurt me. But I'm not going to let this fester. And I'm not going to let this uh, take over me so the resentment builds up and up and up. I'm going to deal with it. Right here, right now. Truthful speech, resolving your conflict. Verse 29, edifying speech. Don't let, look at those words, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I wish that word any wasn't there. Don't you? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But, what's the word? But only what is help for blocking other people up. We should be known as a church where you sit next to somebody are all positive and not critical and not negative and not slanderous. Wouldn't it be great to see if we sat next to somebody and they said I'm so encouraged tonight just to meet with God's people and to sing God's praises 
Isn't it a great sermon tonight just to remind us of everything Christ? And if people said, Thank you so much for, for singing tonight and playing the piano tonight. That was really helpful to me. I've been really encouraged by you over the last few weeks. I've, I've watched you serve the tea and the coffee and hand out the cakes. Thank you for doing that. Uh, let me encourage you to, to read your Bible and pray this week. Okay. Helpful words, not, not slanderous, not critical, not negative. That's what he's calling us to, a church where our words are, are different. Not just our words, but our, our attitudes as well. We should be known, verse 31, not as a church full of bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness. We should be a church where there's unresolved conflict. It's just festered and festered and festered away. So, you know, there's people that you meet where it's deep within them that that resentment and that caustic sort of feeling of, you know, why? Why? I hate that. They think. I'm speaking tomorrow night at five and six thirty on the topic of bitterness. I think it's an issue for. Christians and churches come back tomorrow night to him about bitterness we're not a church of bitterness we're not a church of slander get rid of your rage and anger and brawling and slander we don't bad mouth each other we're not critical of each other we don't fight with each other often in churches you know you people are sharing fair points it's just slander and gossip that shouldn't be this church. We should not be a church of bitterness, not a church of slander. We should actually be known as a, birthday to a church full of kindness. Be kind and compassionate to each other. I love the word kind. A uh, insipid kind of word, <laughs> kind. It means that you are so other person centred. And you're so caring, you show great concern for the other person expecting nothing in return. That's a kind church. Where we hear about the person who is really in need and really needing help. And without asking, we go out of our way to cook them a meal, give them a lift somewhere, give them some money if they need need some financial help. Go and sit with them, go and laugh with them, go and cry with them, go and pray with them. That's the kind church. A kind and compassionate to one another. A compassion is that attribute of God, isn't it, where he loves the loveless. He doesn't see all the rottenness in us, but he just loves us despite our rottenness. That's a compassionate church that doesn't just love the lovely people. But someone walks in the street who's a bit different and we show real compassion. We go out of our way to sit beside them, to hold their hand, to cry with them and laugh with them. A church of kindness, a church of compassion, birthday to a church that forgives each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you. But when you've grasped how much God has forgiven you, when you've understood the cross and seen the Lord Jesus Christ take on himself the full weight of your sin, and he doesn't look at all the things that you've done wrong, even in this last two, three, four hours, but he completely forgives you and throws it to the bottom of the ocean and as far as the east is from the west, he's forgiven you. 
then you can't look at the person next to you or across the room and say, I cannot forgive you. The Christian church is known for forgiveness. Yes, we've been hurt. Yes, we've been wronged. But we don't look at that person. All we see is the wrong they've done us. We see forgiveness in Christ. If God has forgiven them, then we're called to forgive them as well. Now that's what it means to be different. A different speech. A different attitude. The question is why? Why should we be like this? And the answer is... Unity. Because we're one in Christ. Did you spot that? We speak differently, verse 25. Speak truthfully because we are all members of one body. Why, are, why do we resolve conflicts in verse 26, 27? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. Because the devil longs to divide us. The devil will take our resentments, he'll take our conflicts and he will divide us. He'll break our unity. Verse 29, speak what is helpful. Verse 29, uh, to build other people up according to their needs or according to their grace that it may benefit those who listen. Uh, the way that we speak will actually build the other people up, not just ourselves. Hey, have you thought about that? You don't speak kind words or lovely words for your own benefit. You do it because it will help the other person. And verse 30 don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit who lives in you, the Spirit who bought you, who sealed you for the day of redemption. He is saddened, he is grieved, he feels it when the conversations amongst us in this church are less than wholesome and are divisive. And why do we get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger? And why are we kind and compassionate? Because God has forgiven us in Christ. Let's see how we're called to be we're called to be a church where at dinner tonight the conversations will be Christ centred they'll be other person centred they'll be positive they'll be edifying they'll be a different tone and a different topic to what's being discussed down at the Kirby Hotel and when somebody walks into our gathering just the way that we speak to each other, the way we approach each other, the way we care for each other. Let's stop and say, Gee, guys, you guys are different. Now, why are you different? And the answer is, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you spot the difference? I'm not just talking about your own personal life. This is not just about you and God. It's about us as a church. Are you different? Are you different from the world? Are you different, not just tonight, but you know, all day tomorrow, in your office on Monday morning, or in your university, or wherever you work? Are you different because you know Jesus? And are we as a gathering, as a body, are we known to be different? It would be great if we were the, the edifying speech church and the church of kindness and the church of compassion and known as a church of, of forgiveness.
because we're forgiven in Christ. You correct people would actually spot the difference. Let's pray that now. Father God, I pray that you'd help us to put off our old selves and to put on the new selves, that our minds will be made new and that we be known as a church that is different. Our speech, our behaviour, the way that we relate to each other would all point people to our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, would you do the work that needs to be done in us as individuals if there's hard conversations that need to be had tonight if there's conflict that needs to be resolved if there's forgiveness that needs to be sought or offered Lord would you do that would you not allow the devil to get a foothold here and would you build up our unity as we strive to be different and we ask that for Jesus' sake